0: People who have continuous chronic stress over periods of years are the ones who are most likely to experience um, these problems with their heart. Um, But the human body is so resilient and there are many tools that can be used to help reduce stress. Um, And even when you can't reduce the actual stress, uh, reduce the effects that stress has on your body.
1: You're listening to the voice of Dr. Samantha Mice who's a licensed clinical psychologist and pain management center at the Brigham Women's Hospital at Harvard Medical School. She attended Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, completing a PhD in clinical psychology with a focus in behavioral medicine. She then completed a postdoctoral fellowship at Brigham Women's Hospital before joining the faculty there. Dr. Mind's research focuses on biobehavioral aspects of acute and chronic pain. It is May, 2020. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. In this episode, Dr. Mice will share her career path as a clinical psychologist and tell us how the body and mind reacts to physiological and psychological pain and stress and how the stress impacts our immune system. She will also share timeless tips on pain and stress management to improve our mental health. Hello, friends. This is the What is Public Health podcast with your host, Dr. Key What is public health? To me, public health is the invisible force that keeps you healthy every day, and I bet you didn't even know it. This podcast is your source of the latest trend in public health. Today, I'm so happy to have a special guest, Dr. Mines, who is a licensed clinical psychologist, and her work focuses on biobehavioral aspects of acute and chronic pain. Her current project focuses on understanding the impact of psychological processes, such as stress, depression, anxiety, acceptance, and coping and the Central Nervous System Pain Processing on pain-related outcomes, such as the quality of life, in order to develop and implement targeted treatment. Today, she is here to share her insight on how extreme conditions can have short-term and long-term impact on our health and well-being, and what you can do today to live a healthy life in our new reality. What got you interested in this field? Thank you, Key. I really appreciate you having me.
0: So I specialize in behavioral men, which is also health health psychology, or medical psychology. Um, And specifically, I work with people who have chronic pain conditions. Um, I've always been really fascinated by medicine and psychology. And when I learned that there was a field that combined both of those, um, I knew I'd found my place. As a pain psychologist, I get to help people understand the relationship between their emotions, behaviors, and their physical health. And that is really important right now because that's not just true for chronic pain conditions. Our mental and emotional health directly tie to our physical health um, across aspects of our life.
1: Yeah. And you had mentioned that your research focuses on pain management. And I can imagine that, you know, we often time think of like physical pain, because we can see it like, okay, we, you know, know, got a bruise, like, okay, there's physical pain, I scratched my leg. But right now, I think there's a lot of emotional pain that people don't see. So as a clinical psychologist, like, how do you do research in that? You know, there's research that shows that the lower back pain or other type of pain element Mm -hmm. is related or linked to some emotional pain.
0: Absolutely. So You're right, the relationship between emotional and physical pain is so strong. Um, In fact, it's very difficult for our body to tell where emotional pain ends and physical pain begins. There isn't a hard line. Um, There are lots of studies where you can actually image people's back, for example, and the pathology that we see Uh, in their back is not necessarily related to the pain ratings that they give us um, on that zero to 10 pain scale, for example. Um, And that doesn't mean that their pain is fake. On the contrary, it just means that maybe it's not being generated by that place in their back. We all feel pain in our brain, whether or not we have, have a physical ailment or not, all pain that we experience, a broken leg, um, an amputation, for example, all of that pain occurs in our brain, which is why you don't even have to have a body in the case of uh, an amputation to have pain being registered. And so uh, that emotional pain and physical pain, they're both processed by similar places in the brain
1: but how much stress can the human heart endure? I know that you mentioned that pain is in the head. We don't feel aches in our head. We feel like the pain in our heart. So how does that relate? And then then how much stress can the human heart endure? Stressors can come in two types. Um, They
0: can be specific events, like a one-time thing that has a start and an end. And they can also be chronic pressures um, that can threaten a person's well-being. And with coronavirus, we actually see um, a little bit of both, right? So if you contract the virus, this would be a single stressful event. Presumably, it would have a specific start, specific end, um, um, over closures of schools, restaurants, and workplaces, associated financial concerns, worry about where your next meal is going to come from, All of these are chronic stressors. Um, It's unclear when those will be resolved. And these chronic stressors are what can do heart disease. Um, In fact, chronic stress can cause sustained increases in blood pressure, if you were to monitor that over time, um, which can gradually damage blood vessels um, and puts you at greater risk for a heart attack. And so, The thing to be aware of is that this happens over a period of years. People who have continuous chronic stress over periods of years are the ones who are most likely to experience um, these problems with their heart. Um, But the human body is so resilient and there are many tools that can be used to help reduce stress. Um, And even when you can't reduce the actual stress, Uh, reduce
1: the effects
0: that stress has on your body.
1: Can you tell us the difference between physical stress and emotional stress on our health?
0: Well, the thing is, is that our body actually can't tell the difference
1: uh, between physical stress and emotional stress.
0: It's all processed the same way by our body. Uh, So when you encounter a stressor, whether that's a bear in the woods, um, or that stressor is the fear of losing your job, your fight or flight response kicks in. And when this happens, your heart rate, blood pressure, and breathing rate all increase. And this is great. It gets oxygen to the muscles who need it in order for you to fight the bear or flee from said bear, right? Uh, Your adrenal glands release cortisol. We've all heard about cortisol, I'm sure. Um, And this increases the amount of glucose or sugar that's in the blood. And so, again, this... Fuels are big muscles, preparing us to fight or flee, in the case of a bear. Um, Your body also stops non-essential functions, like digestion. So when you get stressed and nervous, you might notice a feeling in the pit of your stomach, an upset stomach. It's because your digestion has stopped. Altogether, this is great for you to fight the bear or run away from the bear. But it is not useful when you're worried about losing your job. Uh, so the, the body does not dictate that physical stress versus that emotional stress. Um, and you have those same reactions regardless.
1: That's interesting to know that, you know, our body process that incident the same way, whether you're running away from a bear or you're scared about losing your job. Stress not only impacts our health, we need to maintain a strong immunity so we are less susceptible to illnesses. So how those stress impact our immune system.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. There is an entire field dedicated to how the immune system responds to psychological stress, um, which is called psychoneuroimmunology. And And so this is um, when the body experiences stress, hormones like cortisol are released, And remember, they can help you fight that bear off. They increase the amount of glucose or sugar that's in your blood. It fuels your muscles. You're ready to go. But this flood of cortisol is also what wears down your immune system. And in fact, uh, there was a study back in 1998 by Cohen and his colleagues, and these researchers swabbed the common cold virus into the noses of healthy volunteers. And they found that people who had experienced chronic stressors that lasted a month or longer. So a lost job, um, extended personal problems like a divorce, things like that. These people were more likely to contract the cold. So they put the live virus right into their nose and some people got a cold and some people didn't get a cold, but the, More often, the people who got it were the people who had that extreme chronic stress. Um, So we know that stress really does impact our immune systems. Um, But there's tools that you can put in your toolbox when you're experiencing that stress um, that will help you mitigate the effects of stress on your
1: body. Like what are some general tips that you can give to reduce stress that so that they are building up their immunity and that they are reducing heart issues in the long run? They are reducing any physical pain because emotional pain can help relive physical pain as well.
0: So there are lots of things that we can do for self-care. Um, so first of all, <coughs> excuse me. So getting social interaction when and where you can. I know that that's tough right now, but just the same way that you mentioned shifting that mindset to away from what you can't do and what the good you're doing by staying at home, shift from the what you can't do with your friends to what you can do with your friends. You can call them. You can interact with them on FaceTime or Skype or Zoom or whatever other um, platform you like to use. There are lots of ways that you can um, interact and play games on your phone with other people. Um, You can, you know, a lot of video gaming systems have a social component where you guys, people can play together. So keeping yourself social, um, sleeping appropriately. I cannot emphasize sleep enough. This is going to help your heart. It's going to help your immune system. It's going to help your pain. It's going to help your stress level. Sleep is like the magic pill that fixes everything. Uh, So getting really good quality sleep every day, doing what you can um, to keep your routine so that you can get that that good sleep is perfect. Um, Eating healthy foods, you know, again, making sure that your body is fueled appropriately this is a time where it can be really easy to snack and to be kind of gluttonous as you're sitting around the house bored. Um, so don't keep things in your house that you don't need. Um, go to the store once, you know, that's gonna minimize your social exposure, which is great. Um, it also keeps you from buying all sorts of snacks every time you're hungry. Um, you know, limiting your alcohol consumption. Sure, it's fine to have a glass of wine or a beer every now and again, um, but chronic use of alcohol um, and large quantities of alcohol does lower your immune system um, and can increase stress in the long run. It also can impact, um, so it has a lot of poor effects on the body. Um, Practicing relaxation strategies. This can be deep breathing. This can be something progressive muscle relaxation. There are lots of relaxation strategies, great apps out there um, that you can use to do these. You can also just Google for free. Um, Practicing gratitude is so incredible. I like to do this in the morning when I wake up and again, Uh, before I go to bed. So just writing down three things. I do it in my phone. I don't have any special place where I do this other than just a list in my note tab in my phone. Um, But I just write down three things that I'm grateful for. Um, And they can be the littlest thing, like the sun is shining today and I'm really happy that it's not gloomy and rainy. Um, It can be really big things, like I'm really grateful for my health and the ability to work from home. Um, And I know that not everyone has that, so I'm really thankful for those things. Um, You know, turn off the TV, we mentioned that. Avoid social media, that can be so helpful. It can be really helpful for some people that like to connect on social media, but for others, it can just create stress. Um, And if you find that it is stressful, limiting or disconnecting um, would be great. Uh, Doing a puzzle. Now's a great time. Lay it on a table, take a couple of days, get that done. Um, You know, practicing some form of art. If you're like me, uh, coloring might be more your speed. So my version of art is a coloring book for adults. Playing a board game with your family if you're isolated inside. Uh, Listening to your favorite music. There are really so many ways that we can take care of ourselves and we don't usually think about those. Um, and then going to the gym, getting some exercise. We may not be able to go to the gym right now, but uh, trying your best to increase exercise is really helpful.
1: Thank you so much for all those helpful tips. Oh, I was thinking like maybe I should um, get out my coloring book that I put away. Um, maybe uh, reinvest in my in my inner artists um, to explore that so thank you for sharing that and could be a good time to do some self-reflection um because how often do we do this i mean we're always up and about moving our way and then you know living living day to day oftentimes has become a routine that it becomes very automatic you get up you brush your teeth you go to take a shower you, br- you make your breakfast and you get in the car and then and the whole day starts and then you go to sleep and then the whole day goes again and, and so now because now we have this open space, like, uh, you know, cause you're staying at home like 24 seven, it's hard to figure out like when the day starts and when this day ends. And so now you're kind of forced to like break away from your routine. I mean, and to do some self-reflection. So that's one thing um, I think many people might be thinking is that I could do many of those things, but sleep, you know, is so important, but because what happens throughout the day does impact the quality of our sleep what are some tips for that because you know like you said like sleep is so important right that when we go to sleep our body rests you know our immune system can recover you know our physical health is recovering mentally spiritually um, so what what can what can is there something you're doing now to help you sleep better or what what are some tips especially if someone has physical illness or or has some or just stress out right so how do you you know, what are some good tips about that to get good sleep? Definitely.
0: Um,
1: so this is often the
0: hardest thing for people and probably uh, also the most helpful. Eliminate naps. Now we have this maybe extra time um, in our schedule where we can nap. When you nap, you essentially reset yourself to where you don't need that rest when it comes time for going to bed. Um, so Minimize naps, eliminate them when you can. If you have to have them, make them early enough in the day um, and try and keep them like 30 minutes or so so that you're really not uh, getting a full recharge, if you will, um, and re- really still need that, that sleep, build up that sleep drive at the end of the day. Um, and no matter what time you go to bed, set a wake up time for the next day. Try and have a consistent time that you're getting up and getting out of bed every single day. Maybe that used to be 5 a.m., and now you don't have a two-hour commute anymore. And so fantastic. Now you can bump that back to 7. So you're still getting that extra sleep on that end. But the later you sleep in the day, the later you're going to want to stay up at night. And that pattern is just going to continue. So you have to – going to bed early when you're not tired isn't helpful. Um, And so you have to fix it on the other end, which is setting that alarm and forcing yourself to get up and out of bed. Um, And then the other thing is we're not doing a lot now. You know, we're, we're isolated into our homes and we can't be as physically active as we maybe otherwise were. For me, I don't walk to the train anymore. So that's quite a ways that I, uh, uh, quite a lot of activity that I'm not getting and so we have to be creative in the ways that we're getting physical activity throughout our day, which will also increase that drive for sleep.
1: Yeah, actually, that's a very good point about like, how to increase our um, physical activity, because you know, physical activity has been linked to getting good night's sleep, right? You exhaust your body <laughs> from working out, and I tend to sleep better when I like, had a really good workout that day. And like, right now, my husband yeah. and I haven't been able to go to the gym and doing any workout for the past few weeks. And I'm getting a little bit restless and starting to get some lower back pain from sitting at the desk and working from home. Do you have any advice on how to be healthy while working at home? Especially like if most people are working at the desk now, and you know, in at the workplace, maybe they can like walk over to their colleague's office and hey, let's go grab a coffee and let's walk down the hall or walk down to the kitchen to the water cooler. So you know, all those little. Moments of exercise throughout the day can have a long lasting impact on our physical health, but now we don't have that. Now we're glued to our chair or glued to our seat watching TV. Um, What are some advice you can give, especially since your research focuses on lower back pain uh, management?
0: Yeah, so there are lots of things that we can be doing to stay healthy and continue to socially distance. Um, So if you do find yourself sitting for most of the day, a great thing to do is set an alarm to go off every hour. When it goes off, get up and move around. Do a household chore. So maybe you wash a couple of dishes or you switch a load of laundry. Um, spend five or ten minutes stretching. Take the dog for a quick run outside. You know, not a full walk, but just get him outside, let him do their business, bring him back in the house. Um, and you might think that this is going to derail you. You're less efficient because you're taking these frequent breaks. But the data actually shows that when we take frequent breaks, we're more productive than if we had worked straight through. So we end up getting more done in the long run, we're more active, our back is not getting tight, our muscles aren't getting tight, um, and we're, we're getting, you know, getting that physical activity in. Um, we can also go for a walk or a bike ride. Those are still great ways to socially distance Um, It's a little tougher when you're in a city and there are other people doing it. But if you live in an area where you can walk down the sidewalk, if you see somebody coming, switch sides of the street. Um, That's what we've been doing. And, you know, we're staying away from people. We're not sitting down on a bench or anything like that. But just getting out, getting a little sunshine, a little fresh air also feels really nice. Um, And a lot of local gyms now or even big, big box gyms, um, are offering online programs, check out their social media or their websites. Um, and they're doing a lot of free online programs where you can, um, stream a video of somebody doing some exercises that need very little to no equipment at home. You can use your body weight, jumping jacks, push-ups, sit-ups, um, mountain climbers, burpees, you know, all the fun ones. Um, but and doing it with friends so doing it over some sort of a live stream uh, with each other to hold each other accountable those things can be really nice
1: I think we've been so trained to like okay we should block out like hours of work and then to work on but actually because you're not at the were at your office, right? You, you know, you had all those little breaks that you probably didn't really realize, right? Like your co worker coming over saying, Hey, did you hear about this one thing? You're like, Oh, and then you inter- were interrupted for five minutes, but that five minute interruption actually helped break out your day. And then maybe have made you more productive, um, unintentionally, right? <laughs> like, so all those little coffee breaks and just like, and having that social connection at work, I think helps, um, uh, like improve your productivity because you could be more creative, you share ideas um, and that sort. But yeah, so now like, um, um, because we're more indoors, like you have to, we have to think more creatively, like how we could um, uh, be, be more connected uh, socially, um, virtually, um, and, and help each other be more healthy. So maybe like you said, like have a timer and maybe you can have accountability buddy saying, that, okay, we're going to do this timer Because if you are working with colleagues, right. Maybe you can say, all right, at noon, we're going to do like our 20-minute yoga break or something, and they can, like, FaceTime each other um, so yeah. that – because I was just thinking, like, you know, I take these little breaks, but, you know, you don't have – no, one, you, there's no one to keep you accountable whether you're doing that or not, so I might try that. Yeah, yeah
0: I've had some friends who have also mentioned that they've been working remotely from their home live on FaceTime or Zoom, and they're not interacting with each other. They're just having the window up and open – again, have that accountability both for work, um, but also to, on occasion, have that like social interaction and be like, hey, did you see that email that just came through? So it's like you're still sitting next to someone, um, Mm -hmm. but a little bit of a different version of that.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. There's this extended long period of disruption in our lives. So how do we handle this as a society to reduce stress? Um, I think that creating the schedule and
0: structure Um, not being rigid, but having some structure is really helpful. Once that changes into rigidity, where you must do certain things at a certain time in a certain way, that creates more stress. But if you're able to um, schedule in some self-care time, schedule in those workouts, literally put them in your schedule. What goes in the schedule gets done, right? Um, That happens if you put the meeting in your schedule, you go to the meeting. Um, it, you know, if it's on the books. So make sure that you're putting things on your books. Um, try and create some quality time with the people around you and quality time for yourself. Know what you need. Get in touch with yourself. You know, you mentioned earlier, Key, that. You know, this is a time for self-reflection. We're often going through the motions, just getting through another day just to get to the next day. And we have a little bit more time now. Um, Maybe for some of us, we have a lot more time now. What do we want out of our lives? What's of value to us? What's most important? Um, And what's the first and the second and the third step that we can take to get on track with those values? I think that now is such a great time to be able to capitalize on that um, and make that shift from what I can't do, what I don't have to what I can do um, and what I do have. And then, you know, making the most of the, the community resources that are available. You know, mental health providers right now are amazingly providing lots of telehealth services. So we were really one of the first people, uh, first kind of groups of providers to do this telehealth thing. And insurance companies are now um, reimbursing for that. So this is something that you, know, you can get help with during this time um, where you maybe didn't have that opportunity because you did not have the time or the resources before.
1: Yeah, I think what you said about setting a schedule so that you put pockets of things for you to do to keep your mind occupied um, for work, for some me time, for some exercise. So thank you for that. But what about and which is mo- which is the majority of our population is who is staying at home. But what about the people who are under extreme circumstances? Like for example, like if you realize you just test positive for the COVID nineteen, like how do you handle that level of stress?
0: Chances are, if you just tested positive, you're feeling pretty lousy right now. Um, So lay low, rest, drink plenty of fluids. Um, You might want to be even more avoidant of the news or social media, which can be overwhelmingly negative right now. Um, Continue practicing gratitude, meditation, relaxation strategies to reduce that stress. and also know that you didn't do anything wrong. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of posts come out that are um, accusatory, uh, reprimanding people who have gotten this illness. And this virus does not discriminate. This does not make you a bad person. Um, so. Trying to reframe any of those negative worry thoughts that you have into more positive ones that most people do okay with this. Most people are going to be just fine. Um, And telling yourself that uh, can really help to to minimize your own internal stress.
1: What if you realize that your loved one, like someone who's living in your uh, vicinity has tested positive and you didn't, like how do you handle, how do you both handle that level of stress? Like, do you have like a sense of survival guilt that, oh, I didn't get it, but now, this, now my loved one has it. How do you both handle that level of stress? Yeah, it can be really
0: scary having a sick loved one during this time. <clears throat> um, do your best to take care of that person without being in direct contact with them, Um, Recognize that, again, it's not anyone's fault that that person uh, came down with this illness. Encourage them to continue to manage their own stress while you manage yours. Uh, As they say, you can't pour from an empty cup. And so it's important to keep your own cup full so that you can help that other person you have to take care of yourself in order to help anyone else.
1: Yeah. And that might help alleviate some survival guilt, right? Like, Oh, I didn't get it, but you got it. Um, but what happens if you realize that you were infected and you unintentionally infected someone like either cause you're outside or you, you cause you were outside and you got infected, you didn't know. And cause you're asymptomatic cause the virus doesn't show itself. Um, and then you unintentionally infected your family. So now you have a sense of guilt. So how do you handle that level of stress? That's, that's gotta be so difficult
0: for, for people who have experienced that, you know, again, recognizing that this is not your fault. You know, you need to go easy on yourself. Beating yourself up is not going to do any good. Um, You're a good person. You're doing the best that you can, and you deserve some grace in this time, in this hardship. Um, You know, you also need to recognize that while you may have had the virus and that then got passed to somebody else, you didn't infect that person. The virus infected that person. This is not something that you did to that person. Um, So, you know, trying to learn from the experience, was there anything that you could have done differently? Um, Could you have ordered groceries rather than going to the grocery store? Um, what are other things that you can help do now to help flatten the curve? But for a lot of people, there's nothing that they could have done differently. People are listening to the recommendations. They're staying home. Um, the people who do have to go out, they're doing so to take care of their families, to take care of other sick people. There are, are healthcare workers. You know, they're doing these essential jobs. And if they... and like spread this on to another person, they're only doing that because that's just what this virus does. Um, They're doing what they have to do to survive and in the process um, that may not, you know, that may have ended poorly for someone else. But it's not their
1: fault. There's that sense of guilt, right? Like, because now you're seeing on the news that if one person in the family got infected, like the whole family got infected. And unfortunately, if someone dies, it's it's a devastating outcome. As we come to a close to our interview, Dr. Minds, like any last minute golden nuggets of advice for our listeners? Do these
0: self-care tools. Use them before you need them. Don't wait until you're overwhelmed to try and use the tools in your toolbox they're most effective when you implement them periodically throughout their day. I like the analogy that you don't learn to swim in the middle of a hurricane. So don't try to learn these when you're feeling the most stress you've ever felt. Try them out earlier when you're able to implement them and then you'll have them when you need them. Um, Know that not all of the tools are gonna work for all situations, for all people. That's why you need lots of tools in your coping toolbox, right? Not every problem is a nail, and therefore not every tool needs to be a hammer. Um, I mentioned already, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, therapists, social workers, even your clergy members uh, can all provide a lot of help, and many, if not most, are doing telehealth visits right now. So uh, don't be afraid to reach out. To a professional for help if you need it. Um, There is strength in asking for help, it is not a weakness. Um, And then there's lots of, you know, kind of self-help, self-improvement kind of books out there that can help just put you in the right headspace. Um, One of my favorite authors is Brené Brown. She has several amazing books, Um, highly recommend those. I really like Full Catastrophe Living uh, by Jon Kabat-Zinn. It's all about mindfulness. Um, there are a, a million others that I could talk about as well, um, but you know, use those kinds of tools. Maybe you can't go to the library, but a lot of them might be available through uh, like a, an online library loan system or something like that as an ebook.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mice. If people would like to connect with you, like what's the best way?
0: Yeah, um, so you can find me at Dr. S. Mainz on Twitter. Um, also, my email is smainz at bwh.harvard.edu. And um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, at, so it's linkedin.com slash in slash Samantha Mainz.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mainz. I really appreciate your time giving us tips on how to handle this heightened level of stress during these unprecedented times. So thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me, Ki. If you got questions about any of the episodes, feel free to reach out to me directly. And while you're there at it, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episode that you felt connected with so that we could be a part of this collective invisible force called public health. Thanks.